Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today we begin a brand new series, brand new theme for the whole month of July called The Remnant is Rising. We've been prophesying the last couple of years that there's a tsunami wave of the Spirit of God moving and ready to explode right here in Central Florida, right here in America, and right all over around the world. The Holy Spirit is moving and things are happening, and I'm not here to prophesy to you that something is going to happen. I'm here to tell you the remnant is rising right now. The remnant is rising. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So where, even tonight, just being together, and whether you're watching this on Friday night or Sunday morning, we are here on Friday night. If you showed up on Sunday morning and you waited outside, we have signs out there to confirm the word because the Bible says God confirms his word with signs. So we have signs out there letting you know that we, are, we have not been raptured. I don't think. It's still possible because it's Friday night. But we didn't get raptured. We're just, we're just uh, giving all of our staff and our team, our volunteers, a summer Sunday to just enjoy with their families. Isn't that great? Would you give it up for all of our volunteers, all of our tech crew, musicians, ushers, greeters, children's workers, our staff. I'm telling you, we got hardworking people. When the whole world, I'm telling you, we're, you know, you've seen all the, the help wanted signs all around? I mean, everybody has a job open right now. Everybody needs more workers. Every restaurant is having trouble fulfilling the orders because they don't have enough workers because of the climate that we've, we've created politically with, you know, stay home and we'll pay you. And what happens is, you know, a lot of our pastor friends are saying, hey, we're going through the same thing. Even though it's not a paid thing, we're having trouble getting volunteers to volunteer. And I want to tell you, we need some help too, but we've really been blessed but we're experiencing revival right now in our worship team, behind the scenes. They're experiencing some things, and I believe that God is raising up new singers and musicians in this hour, because where we're going, we need them to lead the way, okay? So I'm just telling you right now, if you're watching or you're in the room, and you uh, have, uh, if you can make a joyful noise with anything, if you play the kazoo, well, maybe not the kazoo. <laughs> Pastor Lindsay won't even let me play my harmonica, but I, anyway, uh, we just want you to be a part because there, is, there are opportunities for you. Don't be spiritually unemployed. Lock in. What, what was your word from, from May, Pastor Lindsay, about get, get to work or something like that? Get a job. Do your job. Do your job. Yeah, there you go. Do your job. And that's not just when you go to work. That's in the kingdom. Do your job. Okay? So tonight we begin. The remnant is rising. I'm just going to lay a foundation tonight. We're not going to go uh, deep and wide, but we're going to get there. We're gonna, we're, we've got a whole month to kind of build on this. But I believe this is a word in season from the Holy Spirit. Okay? The remnant is rising. We're starting with Jeremiah 23 in verse 3, and we're going to Hebrews chapter 12 from the message. Okay. Jeremiah 23, 3. But I will gather, God says, the remnant. Everybody say remnant. remnant. 
I'll gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their folds. The flock is the greater body and the folds are the local churches where God, God is going to begin to gather them again to the church that he's building. Say amen. amen. And they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them. That's what, how you know, because they got pastors that are not self-appointed, but got pastors that are sent. I will set up shepherds over them, who, and here's what the shepherds will do in God's return to the church. They will, he, they will feed them, they'll feed the people of God. They shall fear no more, they'll break fear off of you. They'll not be dis, dismayed, you're not gonna be discouraged as you were, nor shall they be lacking. Lacking has no power when God's people come together in his house, says the Lord. In, we, we've been talking about our, the end times the last few weeks on Wednesday nights, and I'll just say this, this is a word for Israel. And as Israel goes, so goes the church. Because we're spiritual Israel. We are the New Testament Israel through Christ, amen? Now Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 from the message says this. So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings. His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time, he's told us quite plainly, he'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander to what's going on in the world. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit till it's all cleansed. For God himself is a fire. The next verse begins a new chapter, but the original letter has no chapters and verses. So it's still part of the same thought. God himself is a fire. Stay on good terms with each other, held together by Philadelphia love, phileo. The Bible says when it's shaking time, you hold together in the body by loving each other on purpose. Let's pray together one more time. Holy Spirit, would you come and be welcome as our teacher, our preacher, our provider, and our source. Let your word come forth in power and raise up your remnant in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. The recent online survey that I read about listed all the qualities that people expect from their pastors, their perfect pastors. So this is like a past, this is a survey where they basically built the perfect pastor by committee, okay? So listen to what, if we were listening now to what the whole social media world thinks is a great pastor, listen to this. They preach for exactly 12 minutes. They are 28 years of age, but have been preaching for 30 years. They work from 8 a.m. until midnight every day, but are also the caretaker of anything that comes up. They frequently 
condemn sin, but never upset anyone. <laughs> they wear good clothes, buy good books, drive a good car, give generously to the poor, and have a very low salary. <laughs> they personally make 15 daily phone calls to families in their church, visit the housebound and the hospitalized, and spend all their time evangelizing the unchurched. I don't even know how those things all go together. And are always in the office whenever they're needed. They're also very good looking. And I might add, they're able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. There's no such thing as a perfect pastor. Amen. In our Wednesday night Bible study on the end times recently, several things keep jumping out at me. And I'm not talking about the end times per se, but it kind of goes along the same line this month. A couple of things very clear in my studies. Number one, the word of the Lord seems to indicate a great end time harvest of souls. It's in the book of Revelation. It's throughout the epistles of Paul. Jesus prophesied a day would come where people would be added to the body very quickly. And Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great heroes of the faith back in the 20th century, prophesied in the 1930s and 40s, he prophesied, and I've read transcripts. I, I hope to share with you some specifics that Wigglesworth said. He was, a, he was a great healing evangelist, great man of God, but he prophesied several things. First of all, he said right after World War II, there was gonna come a healing move, and it happened. He said right after that, there would be a move of the Holy Spirit that would come and fill the churches and the churches wouldn't want it, so it would have to kind of go outside for a while. That's the charismatic renewal, that happened. And he said the third great wave is gonna be the final great wave and prophesied in a time when nobody could even grasp it that millions and maybe a billion souls would come into the kingdom within a short space of time. Second Thessalonians talks about the second thing that I'm gonna say. First, the word of the Lord seems to indicate a great end times harvest of souls. Number two though, the Bible also speaks of a great falling away. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 says, let no one deceive you by any means for the day of the Lord, that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. So it's talking about a falling away. Much of the church has fallen into one of these two camps in the last 75, 80 years. Either they're believing for a great end time harvest of souls or they're believing for a great falling away. However, as I seek the Lord, I, why should we believe these to be mutually exclusive? Why should we believe it's one or the other? Why can't it be both? Isn't it possible that the spirit of deception works over time to destroy God's church that he's building while the Holy Spirit is simultaneously reviving the righteous remnant. Amen. When I see people falling away, like some of the Christian musicians over the last few years making public statements, well, I used to worship God, but I don't believe it anymore. Never causes me to panic because I never was one of the two camps. I think it's both. I think it's both. I want to define the word remnant for you so that this month will have a good foundation. You'll see it. The word remnant, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary, which I use a lot, he was a Christian man. A remnant is residue, 
that which is left after a separation, removal, or destruction of a part. It is a remainder or something that lasts or endures. That's a remnant. Throughout the scriptures and history, God has always had a faithful, believing remnant of people who trusted in him and refused to back down, even under intense pressure. During a time of utter exhaustion and discouragement, you remember that that Elijah cried out to God and said, I'm the only one left that's still serving you with all my heart. A few days later, God comes to him again and says, okay, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he does the exact same speech. I'm the only one left. Nobody else is serving you. I'm the only one. And God speaks to him and says, nope. I've got 7,000 others that have not bowed their knee to idols. I got 7,000 others that didn't fall away. They're not famous. We don't know their names in the Bible in that time. They certainly didn't do what Elijah did, but they did not bow. In the time after Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2, we find a man named Simeon waiting in the temple, and God has promised him, if you'll wait, you're going to see the birth of the Messiah. And when Simeon sees Joseph and Mary walk in with the baby Jesus for his circumcision, he begins, Simeon begins to prophesy. We don't know much about Simeon, but we know this. He was a remnant man. <clears throat> a few verses later, there's a woman that's a prophetess, New Testament prophetess called Anna. And Anna's an old woman and she's been waiting for the same promise as Simeon. She sees Jesus and begins to prophesy. My friends, as the world has descended into madness, God is always working behind the scenes. You've got to just look for him. Don't get freaked out by what everybody's screaming about on the news. I heard a quote a few weeks ago, and I think I've even said it publicly at one point, but it bears repeating. Rick Godwin, speaking to a group of us pastors on a Zoom call a month ago, And he said this, the COVID crisis didn't cause people to go sideways. It just revealed how sideways they'd already become. The COVID crisis didn't make you go crazy. The COVID crisis didn't pull you away from church. The COVID crisis, the the pandemic of 2020, didn't put fear in you. However you responded is what God revealed was already going on. And in his mercy and in his grace, he loved you anyway and loved me anyway. We all had our doubts. We all had moments of, what if this happens or what if that happens? Nobody was perfect in the time when it looked like the whole world was collapsing and we were all being imprisoned in our homes. It exposed the true condition of God's church. And yet the Bible is filled with those moments that God, God didn't cause COVID, by the way. God didn't cause a pandemic. The Bible says our God is a healer. He's the author and finisher of our faith. But when the enemy is moving, especially in some that became worldwide, things are still happening in many countries. I'll tell you more later what's happening in the Philippines. But in those moments... God is always trying to find the remnant, not strain out those who are struggling, but he's trying to find those who will just simply believe. Yeah. 
and just trust him. So I don't know what's going on. There were many moments last year where we met as pastors and I said, guys, I don't know what's going on. I just know God will not fail us. I know he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. <clears throat> He's our father and we're gonna be okay. My old pastor Benny Hinn used to say this, you never know what kind of anointing oil is in the olive until it's pressed. You can't determine the quality of the wine until the grape is crushed. So what does this remnant look like? I just wanna give you three thoughts tonight. As I've been studying for our Wednesday nights, I found a great, <clears throat> a great uh, syllabus of a course about the Welsh revival, Evan Roberts, a great revival that took place in 1904 to 1906. And I started just studying that for the Wednesday night stuff and it just started getting inside my spirit. I started saying, wait a minute, these people really were a righteous remnant in that time when a lot of things were going sideways in Great Britain. So I'm gonna look at three things tonight, three key distinctions about what does it mean to be part of the remnant? What does the remnant look like? What are we to emulate? What are we to copy? And I'll give you just three of the things that, that I read. Number one, intense passion for Jesus. <clears throat> intense passion for Jesus. Evan Roberts was a young man that felt the call of the Lord to begin to pray for Wales to experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know how old he was when God spoke to him to begin to pray? He was 13. And he began to pray by himself and then with his sister as they got older. A 13-year-old boy began to pray for a nation in the late 1800s and felt that his nation had turned their back on God. For 13 years he prayed and he began in ministry as a young man but didn't see the fulfillment even begin until he was 26. 13 years, this young man prayed and had an intense passion for Jesus. He began to attract a whole group of young people that were undistracted by external things. And they began to pray. And in that very small nation of Wales, Listen to this, over 70,000 people were gloriously saved in the first two months. 70,000, <clears> hardcore. A lot of these people were coal miners. They're the, they're the, that's the mining capital, like West Virginia and Pennsylvania here. The mining capital of Great Britain and the UK is in Wales. In a very small place, 70,000 saved in two months, the first two months over 100,000 in the first two years. The Welsh people experienced an overwhelming manifested presence of God. Listen to this. On several occasions during a meeting, people could be heard crying out, no more, Lord Jesus, I can't take any more or I'm gonna die. The presence of God was so thick. The writer said, the point is, that you want revival when you pray for more of Christ, but you're in revival when you've got so much of him that you feel compelled to say, I can't take any more. I feel like I'm gonna explode. I feel like I'm gonna die. How many ready to be thick with that kind of presence of God? 
You know, when the Bible talks about the Shekinah, the glory of God, the word, is, the word talks about thickness, thickness of his presence. I've experienced the thickness of his presence so many times in my life, and I just can't, I, I can't even tell you all the times. But we need more. Because the old oil doesn't have the thickness. We need the fresh oil. We need the thickness of God's presence. Amen? How many know when your car engine, when that, when that oil, when you get three, 5,000 miles on your car, that oil loses its viscosity. There used to be a, a motor oil commercial that told you about it. It loses its viscosity. It breaks down and it becomes thin and dirty. That's what happens with our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for fresh oil. I'm desperate for fresh oil. I want more. I want more. The passion in the people for the presence of God affected everything in society. And these revival meetings started to break out in local churches all over. They started as prayer meetings, many of them, um, and then erupted in preaching and the declaration of the word, signs and wonders. Things began to happen. 1904, 1906, by the way, out of that outpouring, people that were there went to Azusa Street, and in 1906, the Holy Spirit fell in Los Angeles, California at Bonnie Bray Street in Azusa area, and that's when God began to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit back into the body of Christ after 2,000 years of them being almost dormant. During one meeting, a well-known skeptic in town interrupted Evan Roberts as he preached. He angrily said, I want to ask a question. In the middle of Evan Roberts. Roberts ignored him. I want to ask a question. He angrily yelled louder and louder. If you don't answer me, I'm going to come to this pulpit and I'm going to ask my question. Everybody ignored him and the meeting went on. As he began to make his way to the pulpit in anger to confront Evan Roberts, one eyewitness to the event described what happened next. Quote, this person in the meeting, as in the case of Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, we watched as the Holy Spirit overpowered this man who was coming to attack the preacher. He would have collapsed on the stairs had not the people upheld him. As they held him up, he began to cry out for mercy and pardon. What a scene followed, this person said. When the people realized the full import of what had happened, the shout went up, he has been saved. He has been saved. <laughs> I was in a meeting with Pastor Benny one time on a Sunday morning and a death threat came in on the answering machine in his secretary's office. Someone was coming that Sunday morning to kill Pastor Benny. There was just starting to be little things happening of acts of terror and things in, in America and in Israel in the late 80s. I was on staff then and several people tried to talk Pastor Benny out of, just stay in the back, don't preach today, somebody else can preach for you. He says, no. He said, I was born for this. You guys keep me safe. What does that mean? So, so several of the older guys, the older pastors on staff said, at least please don't have an altar call today. 
We just don't need them at the front. What did Pastor Benny do? Had a huge altar call. Probably 300 people got saved, filled the altar. And in there was a Middle Eastern man who looked very troubled, carrying a brown paper bag. And a couple of us said, okay, that may be the guy. (laughs) As we gathered around, feeling like secret service agents, true story. We were like, okay, he ain't getting to my pastor today. As he approached and came up, people, Pastor Benny started praying for people. This guy came up and got closer and closer and he was right there and Pastor Benny was right here. And we got on the, several pastors got around just to stand there on the floor. And as he reached into his bag, that brown paper bag, sure enough, he started to pull out a gun. But when he did, he hit the switches. A bunch of guys went to jump on him. And he opened up and let the bullets fall on the ground and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He came to kill, but he left alive and new in Christ. That's revival. That's, that's reformation. That's something happening that I can never forget because I was right there. The first thing, as I said, intense passion for Jesus. Second thing about the remnant in that revival was this, complete surrender to the will and purpose of God. I mean, they were, the, the, the hallmark of the Welsh revival was humility and yieldedness. In fact, Evan Roberts got so bothered by people trying to take his picture and trying to, you can hardly find many pictures of him online, especially preaching. He didn't allow it because he, he was so concerned the Holy Spirit would lift his presence and the revival would stop if he got in the way, if he became the, the big famous evangelist. He didn't want that. So he actually faded away. He didn't die until like the late 1940s, but nobody ever saw him preach after the middle part of the first decade of the 20th century, 1904 to 1906. He was still involved somewhat writing and things in the teens, but he was so concerned about grieving the Holy Spirit. He was so humble. James 4, 7 from God's Word translation says this, so place yourselves under God's authority, resist the devil and he will run away from you. Jesus preached self-sacrifice more than self-esteem. That's not a popular thing to say. So I'm gonna say it again. Jesus preached self-sacrifice a lot more than he ever touched on self-esteem. Luke 9, 24 says that the message says, Jesus said, self-help is no help at all. Boy, that would take care of a lot of books in your library, huh? (laughs) Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself your true self. This revival began to penetrate all aspects of society. In fact, one story is that the coal miners were having trouble because the donkeys that they moved the coal through the coal mines on and were in the coal mines with them, the donkeys wouldn't obey them because previously the donkeys only understood cussing and foul language. 
and the, and the coal miners were getting saved so fast and so many that they quit cussing and the donkeys didn't know what to do. That's a great story. It's a true story. The rugby and soccer leagues had to move their matches away from Sundays because players refused to play on Sundays and fans quit showing up on Sundays anyway. I read this story. This is, this is, this is an eyewitness account. One rugby match, the people had gotten so far away from cussing, one man let out an expletive at the rugby match and the crowd hushed. The man felt so convicted, he repented and gave his heart to Jesus at the rugby match. And 10,000 people in the stands burst into the singing of a loud hymn. Imagine that today, the way, we, the way we worship and adore our athletes and let them be the bastions of our truth. I'm telling you, isn't it amazing what God can do if he just gets a hold of a people? Oh. The Welsh people were willing and obedient to follow Jesus no matter what. Finally this, and I'll finish on this. Number three, the remnant is rising because the remnant is falling on their knees. The greatest thing that characterized the Welsh revival, and I challenge some of you who like history to look it up and study it like I'm doing. It was all about prayer. Prayer is the greatest sign that the remnant is rising. Prayer becomes more, instead of obligation, it becomes joyous revelation. Instead of I have to go to prayer, it became I can't wait to get to prayer. That's when you know the spirit of God, the spirit of prayer, the Holy Spirit is moving and working in our midst. By the way, I just feel led right now. Let's just pray for this Hurricane Elsa out there. You know, let, let her be frozen. Three people got that joke. But anyway, <clears throat> my granddaughter will get that joke. Anyway, one of them will get it. Anyway, I told my wife, I'm rebuking Elsa and Anna and anybody else, Sven or whatever else, I'll, I'll, any of them. I'm, in, I'm rebuking, yeah, Olaf, yeah, he, I don't want him either. We don't want snow here in Florida either. Anyway, let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, your word says when your people come together and pray, that things will happen. And Lord, we just take authority in the spirit right now over this storm that they've put and marked the state of Florida on the crosshairs of it. We command the winds to die down. We command the winds to cease and we command this thing. We pray for the nations in its path right now, those island nations. Lord, cover your people, cover the people there. We break the spirit of destruction off of that storm. <clears throat> we command it to die in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask you to miraculously move it away from Ocala and Central Florida. We ask you to move it away even from our coastlines. Lord, we, we've seen you do it before. We've seen what you did with Irma, that even when it came, that it didn't harm us. We've seen all these prognostications of experts. But Lord, you are the Lord. You are the God. You are our protector. You're building your church. Would you set a guard and a watch over our shoreline? And Lord, let your hand be heavy and your protection over us as you grip us in your mighty hand in Jesus' name. You ever notice that Florida is kind of shaped like a gun? 
we always felt like that was a sign that God was going to use the state of Florida to shoot revival into the rest of the country. Because we're kind of positioned like that. So if that's the case, then let's see his hand come around that barrel this weekend and keep us protected. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So prayer is so important, so powerful. Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, we are going to have prayer at 7 o'clock right here. Pastor Lindsay, Pastor Tristan going to be leading. Please don't miss it. Listen to this great quote. I love this. John Wesley, the great John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, often remarked, the Holy Spirit, in answer to prayer, does everything that he does. He also cautioned, I want you to see this on the screen. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can do nothing but pray until you have prayed. Did you get that? Let me say it again. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can do nothing but pray until you've prayed. Prayer is the highest call of all for the remnant. The remnant hears the Spirit. The remnant senses what God is doing in the church. Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Prayer is not an interruption. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do to release the hand of God to do what he wants to do. Finally this, 1997, we were a church, we were in this building only one year, we were a church for seven years at that point. There was a movement called the 1040 window for world evangelization that began 1997. All these different prayer streams in Europe, America, and other nations began to come together and develop a systematic worldwide prayer strategy to see the nations one that if this is truly part of the beginning of the, end of, of the end times, then the great harvest has to take place. And so they said, we gotta do it. So they mapped it out and they found out that between certain latitudes and longitudes in the world, they, they, they'll call the 1040 window. Between the 10th uh, parallel and, the, and, the, and, the, and that uh, 40th parallel, they, had, they, they, they said that's where most of the people groups in the world that have never heard the name of Jesus exist. That's where they live. They mapped it down to, at that point, 1,739 known people groups that had never heard the name of Jesus once. And there was no Bible translated in those languages. And they were all in that 1040 window. And they started gathering together, targeting, praying for that. Do you know that that army has grown to 50 million Christians around the world that are praying for that specific window, for that area and these unreached people groups. You want evidence that Jesus is coming? Getting the people to pray for unreached people, that's big. Now listen to this. Within a brief amount of time when that when those millions of Christians began to target specifically the 1040 window, the number of souls receiving Christ as Savior in that window jumped by over 100,000 more people each day than had previously been saved. A day. 100,000 more people a day started getting saved once that prayer movement started. Let's be harvest warriors in prayer. Let's be those, part of the remnant, and let's honor him.
My friends, this is the greatest time to be alive in the history of the world. The Bible says that Old Testament saints longed for our day because we get to see fulfillments of stuff that they prophesied that they didn't even understand what they were saying. But we get to see. We get to be part. We get to play a role. We get the privilege of the remnant that's rising. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your opportunity we have. Thank you for your word and your spirit moving in this place. We pray for every person that's watching, every person listening. Right now in Jesus' name, we release the power of the Holy Spirit to you. And we call forth that your heart would find a spark. That that Holy Spirit spark would come and begin to deal with you and bring a shift in your priorities, a shift in your passions. May the Lord fill us with that intense passion of the remnant. May we have the willingness and the humility to completely surrender to the will and purpose of God. And may we have the courage to fall on our knees when we don't understand what's going on, to worship, to praise, to pray and to seek your face. Lord, steer us. Holy Spirit, move in us. If you're ready and you want to be part of that, would you just do something right now just as an act of faith, a kind of prophetic gesture? Just put your hand on your heart right now. Just put your hand on your heart. Father, I pray for every heart, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. I pray for every heart. As we sing at Christmas time, that every heart would prepare him room to move. Holy Spirit, forgive us. We repent for being so distracted by everything else going on, by jumping on the bandwagon of complaining and whining when we are so blessed so blessed in our country. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and make us vessels fit for the master's service? Would you come and make us vessels of honor in your house? Would you set us free from our sin, deliver us from evil, and raise us up as a remnant people? Flow through us. Give us a love for prayer, not out of duty or obligation, but give us a passion that we start seeing the answers to prayers we've prayed for weeks, months, and even years, and even decades. We call forth now by the Spirit of God. We prophetically call forth the prodigals to come home to the churches, to come home to the local church, to get back to their roots. You said when, you, when we train up our children the way they should go, that when they, when they get old, they will not depart from it. So we ask you, Lord, to send laborers into the harvest 
of the loved ones that we are praying for and believing to be saved. And Lord, we promise you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe it, would you put your hands together? Let's honor the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your promises. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.